Sports Talk New York with your hosts, Mark Rosenman and A.J. Carter. Sports Talk New York is sponsored in part by Prince Associates for all your insurance needs, the Phoenix Tube Company, the law firm of Declator Cohen and DePrisco, Solomon Jewelers, and General Needs Charity, serving our homeless veterans with dignity. And now, here are your hosts, Mark and AJ. Joining us now is the man who holds the distinction of being the highest drafted player from Wyoming in the history of Major League Baseball. That, of course, happened when the New York Mets selected him with the 13th overall pick in 2011. But to put that in perspective, of the 12 players selected from Wyoming, the previous highest pick was pitcher Michael Beaver, selected by the Philadelphia Phillies in the sixth round of the 1966 Major League Draft. He made his Major League debut June 26, 2016, against the Atlanta Braves. 240 games later, he continues to bring the same enthusiasm and that ear-to-ear grin to the ballpark he did that very first day. It is a thrill to welcome back Brandon Nimmo to WLIE Sports Talk New York. Welcome, Brandon. Hey, Mark. Thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. Uh, you know, we always love to have you on. You know, it's funny because the last time you were on the show, you had just gotten back from bumping into Travis Darno on your honeymoon. Your, That's right. <laughs> your one-year wedding anniversary is coming up. So what have been yep. some of the challenges you faced this past season balancing the first year of married life and continuing and coping with this, the daily stresses of Major League Baseball? Oh, you know, it's, it's, been, it's actually been a huge blessing uh, because, you know, a lot of things, um, a lot of things happened this year. Um, you know, when we started the year, we thought, um, we'd just be, you know, like a bench guy, um, you know, kind of do our role and come in when needed. And, um, you know, we were okay with that. And, uh, and then as the year progressed, um, you know, a couple guys got injured and, uh, found ourselves in a more starting role and then found some success with it. So, um, Chelsea's been with me, uh, through, through all of that. And, and it's really, it really is helpful to have someone to go through the ups and downs with you. Um, and to be on the on the sort of on the outside looking in, keep things in perspective. But uh, you know, it's it's part of it. There was uh, you know big adjustment for us of you know just living with another person. You you it's just different when somebody you know invades that space that you've been having for uh, for twenty you know twenty four years of your life. So uh, you know it is different. Um, but you know for me this year, especially during the baseball season, I mean. It was nothing but a blessing, and um, like I said, just provided um, provided a lot of um, perspective um, looking from the outside in. You know, it's interesting you mentioned that because you know athletes are, are somewhat creatures of habit, and you mentioned you know twenty four years living on your own, doing things. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm sure you had your your pre game, your pre day rituals, yeah. and and at night sometimes you just want to be left alone. So you know, right. people don't really realize how much really that is an adjustment. So it, right. it's interesting that you noted that. It's also interesting you said that you know at the beginning of the year you had you know, in your mind that you you're going to be a bench player, reserve player. But baseball really always has a, a strange way of working out. We had you on the show. We talked about you know the possible roles for you. Um, right. You know when I was down at Port St. Lucie during spring training, you were you were you were crushing it there, and yeah. you know. But the Mets at that point had a crowded outfield. You know, we weren't sure if Conforto was going to be back in time for opening day. Right. And then 19 games. I know you <laughs> are the most upbeat guy in the world, but was was that somewhat disheartening to you? Was the center fielder for uh, for opening, opening day, day, which was like the highest high of my career at that point. I mean, I was just like, I was so ecstatic to be an opening day center fielder in the big leagues for the New York Mets. I mean, it was 
it was amazing. But then you are correct, like a week later, right. a week and a half later, Cucan Portal comes back, and, and yeah, and, and all this stuff works out, and they actually they need a little more pitching. And, uh, you know, I was just playing kind of with Ben Troll, and I'm not, you know, I'm not exactly sure on the time frame, but, yeah, I was hitting three-something. I mean, it was, it was, I, was, I was having success. And uh, and I end up going down, and uh, that was a yeah, it was a big it was a big shot to take, but there was a lot of comfort in it for me, knowing that I had prepared myself uh, the way that I needed to prepare, and that I had done really well in spring training, and I had done really well in the season so far, and there was no doubt that I could play at that level. Um, it was just the fact that. Um, I was the guy who had options available, and they needed a pitcher, and that's just the way business of baseball works sometimes. And so I tried to not take it personally and tried to just go down and get some at-bats. And, um, you know, I, I, think, uh, I think they appreciated that, but, you know, from the, for the most part for me, it was the fact that, well, I've done everything that I can do. And so there was... I've talked about it before that uh, if, if I can look at myself at the end of the day uh, in the mirror and, and say, you know, I gave it everything I had, I prepared the way that I wanted to, um, then, then I can I can live with myself and I can be okay with that no matter what happens. So um, at that point, I had uh, done everything that I could do, and, and it was it was very easy, honestly. For it, it, it didn't, you know, it's not like it didn't sting, but it was a lot easier than I think. Um, people thought it might be for me to take that just because up to that point I felt like I had done exactly what I needed to do. Brandon Sage Carter, when they sent you down, did they tell you anything to say, hopefully be back in a week or two, you'll be back sometime this season? Did they give you any any representation about uh, you coming back or anything they wanted to see you do down there or just do well down there and you'll be they, back at some point? Yes, you're exactly right. They they did give me um, you know a little bit of a timetable. It was you know, Mickey brought me into the office and he said, basically, you don't deserve this, but we have, we have to send you down because this is the way, you know, he just told me exactly, you know, this is the business of baseball, you have options left, and we need pitching for, for this series, basically. We need pitching for uh, this series and the next one. So, yeah, then, then it's also the business side of baseball that if you go down, unless there's an injury, you have to be down for 10 days. So, he was just planning on, you know, go down, get your at-bats, do your 10 days, and then we'll bring you back up, which, again, you take that with a grain of salt because situations can change. And so, you know, I don't ever count on that. And, and plus, if you go down there and you just stink it up, then, you know, maybe there's someone else who could help them out more. So the big leagues is all about who can help out, you know, at that time and, 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 and definitely long term. But, um, but who can help out and, and give them the best chance to win that day? And so, um, you know, they, they did give me that timetable, but I also tried to just not take anything for granted. Then um, Kevin ended up getting hurt, um, and I think even one, one more guy, and that kind of provided some. I only really, I think I played one game or two games down there yep. and, and then was back up. So, um, so yeah, it did, you know, I try to not, I try to not take that stuff. Um, um, too to heart uh, because you know I don't I don't want to be disappointed if I if I don't get called up in ten days. But again, it just goes back to 
trying to control the effort that I put in and the preparation. And, um, and so, yeah, and then just a few days later I was back. But they did sit me down and say, like, hey, you know, you don't deserve this, but this is kind of what we need right now, and we're crowded um, with bats, and we need we need pitching right now. So um, they did make that. Uh, that was that did make it a little bit easier to handle. <laughs> you know, it's also interesting that, that fans really don't understand. They, they say, you know, we, we talk about it a lot, that certain times players hit a wall because they haven't played that many games before in their career. And right. fans just think, it's a game. What do you mean? These guys should continue to play. But you went from playing in 69 games in 2017 to mm-hmm. playing 140 games this past season. You got 535 yeah. plate appearances. What did you learn about yourself as a player this season with all that increased playing time and how you have to prepare yourself differently to, to be a day-in and day-out player as opposed to you know mentally starting the season thinking you're going to be a role player? Right. Well, so first of all, I think this season, you know, showed that uh, I am, an, I can be, and I am an everyday guy, and um, that you know, throughout a, a long season, um, I, I can come in every day and contribute um, great at bats, and, and and try and take pride in that each and every time of not giving at bats away. Um, and, and same from the defensive side. I think there were some great improvements that were made, and, and there's, there's always more improvements that, that need to be made, but I think we saw some great strides this year. So, so a lot of confidence coming from, from this year. But then secondly, um, yes, how, how to prepare the body for, for next year. Um, I think I learned uh, from last off season. I focused a little bit more on flexibility um, definitely strength and, and trying to keep that going, but maybe not going in. And uh, I, I've worked out, uh, I played football in high school, and I kind of had that mentality when I would go about weightlifting in, in the off season. And, and so maybe t- taking the reins back, pulling the reins back a little bit on that and evening it out a little bit more with flexibility, um, even plyometrics, you know, just making your whole body work the way that you want. Um, because baseball is a game that uh, that uses your whole body to generate these uh, this power and this speed. So um, I think I learned to to incorporate a little more flexibility, a little bit more plyometrics into things, um, and then uh, so I'm going to definitely incorporate that into this this off season's program, and then just understanding that this is it's a long it's a long season and it really will wear on you. So. Uh, coming up with a great daily routine that will get your body ready every single time, um, and, and in the off season, um, being able to sometimes after after a couple of weeks, you can feel like uh, a little bit bored and ready to get back at, at things. But you really do have to give your body some time to just recover from from a long season. I mean, we're going for usually about nine, you know, eight months, nine months um, if you include the training. Um, of being really hard every day um, kind of training. And, and so uh, to give the body a little bit of a break from that, I think is something that I'm taking into this year as well. Um, so there's definitely, there's definitely some things that I learned from even veteran guys who, um, you know, have been doing this for a while um, on, on how to uh, work smarter, not harder. So I think that's kind of, if that could be the overlapping statement of next year for me, 
and this offseason, that would probably be it, is to, to work smarter, not harder. We're speaking with Brandon Nimmo of the New York Mets. You know, it's interesting you mentioned just speaking to some of those veteran guys. And, you know, to keep your body in shape and mentally in shape, it, it's a lot of work. And people that aren't at the ballpark on a daily basis don't see it. And, and sometimes right. players even get in, into habits where they might back off a little bit. For you to have witnessed what David Wright had tried to yeah. do over the last two years and how hard he worked, how yeah. much was that like uh, for you? Like on a day where you might not want, you might not have wanted to go and do the plyometrics or, or do stretches, but to see him getting to the ballpark three and four hours early just to get himself yeah. ready, how much of an inspiration was that for you? He's he's a huge inspiration, and to, and to put that in, into perspective for you know who, for people who still maybe don't understand what he was doing, we we usually spend about ten to ten to eleven hours at the field each day, and David was having to show up two to three hours before that, so he was putting in you know twelve hour days, thirteen hour days into just just so that he could get his body kind of kind of ready, not all the way ready to where, you know, he was before, but just close to where he was before he was having to show up uh, that much earlier to to get his body in that position. So you can understand where that would, where that would wear down on you, but he always brought that positive attitude. I mean, I never saw him down. He was always smiling around us. He was always trying to lift us up and encourage us and, that's David for you, and I think, you know, just being around him has given me uh, and I just a great role model for how to um, how to play in New York, how to succeed in New York, how to win in New York, how to conduct yourself on and off the field. And um, he is he's something special that definitely motivated us. Um, you know, every single day when you would see this guy um, coming in and, and just the work that he would put in to get his body ready um, definitely made your work seem, yeah, like not too much. So um, especially for us younger guys, you know, the older that you get, the more you have to kind of put into that preparation. But um, especially for us younger guys, you know, it was like, well, you know, we really don't, we really don't have it too bad and we don't have to do uh, as much to get it ready, so this is the least that I can do. So, uh, you're definitely right, David. Um, David had just such a great impact on us, even when he wasn't playing. And um, and so, yeah, very tough to see him go through this pat these past two years. But so glad he was able to just make it at least for one game, just to be able to say goodbye in the right way. Yeah, which was obviously a very special night at City Field. You know, we spoke yeah. last year about what you were expecting out of Mickey Calloway. I spoke to you in Port St. Lucie during training camp mm-hmm. a few times over the year about what it's like playing for Mickey. Now having had that full season under your belt with him and being able to watch him during the best of times, you know, when the Mets were going through that 11-1 mm-hmm. and one streak and the worst of times during the 5-21 and 21 month of June, you know, what, yeah. what did you see out of him that, that should give Met fans you know, a lot of optimism going into this coming season? I think, I think what I saw out of, out of Mickey that is, is really encouraging is a very even-keeled guy, and, and you need that in baseball because baseball is just such an up-and-down game, and you, it doesn't matter whether you're, you're doing really well or whether you're doing poorly you need to bring the same work ethic and the same attitude to the field every single day 
And I think that's what Mickey brings. And, um, you know, obviously there's a lot of experience, and he relates with the guys really well. I mean, playing in the big leagues. Um, and so I think the biggest attribute, though, I mean, is that he can just bring that 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 energy that, that is even keel and keeps you just kind of thinking the same way no matter win or loss because you're going to go through, I mean, whether you're a good team or not, I mean, you're going to go through a lot of losses and, and you're hoping to go through even more wins. And so, um, you know, there's definitely that roller coaster ride that, that you're going to go on a, a, as a team. And I think having someone at the forefront that um, can kind of be that just even coming to the field every single day, ready to work, ready to get better. Um, there's always something that, that we can work on and get better at. I think that's, I think that's great to have. And so, uh, like I said, he can relate to the guys really well and, and can speak to them really well. And so, um, you know, I think I think it, it was a lot of what I expected, but um, we're we're really excited about. I mean, we got to learn a lot about Mickey this year, and he got to learn a lot about us. And um, I'm sure he's going to have plenty of things for us to work on uh, next spring training and what he wants to bring into, you know, into this um, clubhouse. But um, having that year underneath our belt um, of, you know, kind of going through, uh, there were growing pains most definitely. You talked about that June, that June month. That was, that was a tough month, and it was tough on all of us, and I think we learned what guys are like when we're at the lowest of lows. And then you saw, I think, the last six weeks there, we had we had one of the better records. I don't, the, I don't the, know. The last half of the season, you're the right. best record in the division. Yeah. I was about to ask about that. In the division. There, right. yeah. Right. That so, five and 21 month, you go 13 right. and 13, it's right. a whole different whole season. Different exactly. So, so, exactly. Brandon, so exactly. how much was it? Was it, you know, did anybody's, did Mickey say or anything, you did that second, there's a whole half of the season, basically the best record in the division. Did anybody realize that? Did you say, let's do this, this is a goal to set? Well, what what really clicked in after that bad month to turn it around? Well, I, Mickey did talk to us before we went out to to All Star break, and he did tell us to treat it. You know, it's behind us. Let's treat it like a new season. Let's you know, let's show everybody what we're capable of. And and so we did come in with that mentality. But again, it was more of um, coming to the field. I, I honestly didn't know until until the last game that we had the best record. I mean, people were saying like, oh, well, you're 18 and 10 in the month of September. And all I noticed is that, you know, we were coming in every single day, same, like, same even keel guy. We were going, we were putting our work in, and we were prepared every single day. And the last six weeks were a, a lot of fun because we were winning a lot of games, you know, more times than not. And we were in games a lot. And I just think that you started to see – uh, what that team could be like when it was healthy, when it was clicking. Um, you know, our starting pitching was keeping us in every ball game, and so we got some clutch hits. We got, you know, it was, you were just starting to see, I think, what people thought um, the whole season was going to be like. Like you said, if you eliminated June. Uh, but that's baseball. I mean, that's, it, there's going to be ups and there's going to be downs, but I think uh, that last half of the season, you really just saw a, a healthy team. Um, play to what I think everybody thought they were capable of for a whole for a whole season. So um, we're hoping to take that into next year. I mean, Mickey got a good feel for us. We got a good feel for Mickey, and um, you know, not a lot of pieces are changed as of now. Obviously, we'll see what happens in the off season, but uh, you know, it's it's uh, it's something that I think we ended on a very positive note. 
You mentioned clutch hitting and pitching that second half of the season. Wednesday night, yeah. July 11th, 2018, nothing-nothing game through nine innings. Of course, <laughs> the Mets' starting pitcher that night was Jacob deGrom. We'll, yeah. get, we'll get into that in a, in a second. <laughs> uh, bottom of the 10th, two men on, two outs. You pinch hit for Robert Gesellman. Take us back to that night and that at-bat and how much you truly enjoyed that moment. <laughs> um, yeah, I came in, came in for the pinch hit uh, and had a lot of experience with that from the past, uh, from 2016 and 2017. And uh, so I just relied on that, on that experience. And um, I'm pretty sure I had, I had faced, um, uh, I had faced lighter uh, either, it was either not too long ago or it was in that series already. Um, and, and so um, was just going up there with a plan of, honestly, was just trying to get a good pitch to hit. Um, and, and when I went up there, I just, I just knew I just wanted to, uh, wanted to hit something hard, make them, you know, get, you know, give us a shot because, uh, you know, even though Jake couldn't get the win at that point, uh, you know, I was, I was hopeful that, uh, we could at least, you know, win a game, uh, with that he started. So, um, you know, we're always trying to go out there and win and win every single game. And, uh, I just saw the curveball pop up and, um, I, I don't know, guys. Sometimes you just sometimes you just swing, and, and I didn't feel it hit the bat, and, and but I saw it go, and that's always a good sign because that means you put the sweet spot of, of the barrel on it. And uh, I, I don't know when I saw it going up, I was just I honestly was saying in my head, no way, this can't this can't be real. And uh, it went went out to center, and I just I think going around first base if you could read my lips it was, it was just like i can't believe this like no way that this just happened so uh the other part that goes into that that you know i people might have forgot about is i was i was struggling up to that point actually for like the two weeks prior um you know i'd been hit on the hand uh you know back in i think like mid-june or something like that and, uh, and, you know, I hadn't really done as, as well as I had been doing, uh, up to that point. And, and I had really been struggling. And so that was really the first like big hit I had gotten in, in a few weeks. And, and when you're in the season and you're playing every day, two, three weeks feels like forever. So, uh, you know, it, it was just, it came at such a great time, uh, for me personally and as a team. Um, you know, so all of those things lined up, and uh, it just was an incredible moment, one that I'll never forget. Um, I, I don't know if feelings can get much better than that. You know, it's 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 really tough because uh, you know just everything lined up at that point, and uh, I just felt really good to get that win. And obviously, we had just been coming off of June where it was a tough month, and um, we didn't have many fans at the field, and so. Uh, you know, the guys, the people that had stayed, I just felt like an impulse that, you know, I wanted to thank them for still coming out and supporting us even through the tough times. Like, that will be rewarded, you know. Uh, we're hoping next year, you know. And, uh, but yeah, it was just, it was a, it was a huge emotional moment for me. Uh, one that I'll never forget. I, I couldn't, couldn't wipe that smile off my face. <laughs> it's funny you mentioned that, you know, what you did after that game, thanking the fans and hits like that, uh, and, and you know doing things like that, have made you a fan favorite in a town which can be very tough on players. New York fans yeah. love the way you go out and hustle and give everything you have. So I have to wonder when you're sitting at home watching the World Series, the games with the most on the line, 
And you yeah. see an extremely, extremely gifted and talented player in Manny Machado not hustle on a ground out to short in the fourth inning of game two. And then carry it a step further, him acknowledging that he had no excuse for not running, but then also saying, obviously I'm not going to change. I'm not the type of player who's going to be Johnny Hustle and run right. down the line and slide to first. You know, you, know, you never know what could happen. He said, it's just not right. my personality. That's not my cup of tea. That's not who I am. So right. does it bother you? That hustle is something that you can control, and he chooses not to. And to carry it a step further, Manny is a guy that we've seen in the press that might be one of the guys that the Mets have interest in. Uh Would it be troubling for you to watch that, coupled with the fact that he might be the highest paid player, will be the highest paid player on your team? Well, so for for me personally, you know, it's it's to each their own. You you each have your... um, the way that you go about the game and the way that I go about the game is, is, is I play as hard as I can. I give it everything I got. I try to not take anything for granted. And, and so that's the way that I go about the game. But um, what, what makes a great team is having a bunch of individuals pulling in the same direction. And I, you know, for me personally, I honestly don't care how you get to that direction, just as long as you're pulling in, the, in, in our direction, the team, the one that the team agrees on. And that's to win a World Series, and that's, um, you know, to, uh, you know, ultimately be, be successful as a team. Um, and so um, Manny he obviously showed that he can play on a World Series caliber team, and he's one of the best players in the game. And, yep, he might not be, you know, the, the Johnny Hustle, but um, he obviously cares um, enough to, to get into those positions and to um, come up with those clutch hits. There's a lot of clutch hits that he came up with. And so, you know, for me, again, that goes back to I can only control what I can control, and, and for me that's the effort put out. And I obviously don't know Manny um, personally, so I don't know what he would be like as a teammate, and I haven't heard anything. Um, you know, I, there there were some people that, that did say that um, Joey Bats was you know was not a great teammate, and I just when he came on our team, he was the best teammate. He was an amazing guy. I loved him. I learned a lot from him, and so you know it's kind of one of those things where i've started to learn that you you have to you have to learn yourself so if we did have him as a teammate then we would pick up a great you know a great uh player i mean everybody knows that he's talented beyond uh comprehension i mean it's you know he's he's an amazing player um and, and would it bother me and no if we're pulling in the same direction and we're wanting to you know we're all wanting to win a world series then uh, we won't, we all want to get there however however we can because ultimately you know we owe it to the New York Mets fan base to, to bring them a World Series to to be competitive um, you know each and every year um, you know this this kind of fan base that we have in this market that we're in um, you know I think we should be a competitor each and every year and so um, you know I, I just want guys that want to win a World Series and you know I think that's you know speaking for most of the teammates is that that's what we all want you know obviously i can't can't speak for all of them but being around those guys they all they all want to win and they all want to win world series and we all want to bring that to city field we all want to bring that to the mets fan base you know um i think it's something that we're looking forward to you know to trying to all pull in the same direction uh, next year and hopefully 
I think the biggest thing is staying healthy. So um, whether whether Manny is on our team or, or not, I just want guys that, that want to want to win the World Series. And and who knows? You know, if if we all start, you know, we all start running things out, and we all start hustling and doing all that stuff. You know, it, it gets contagious. That kind of stuff does. Um, so you, you never you never know what happens when you when you surround people with uh, with the kind of work ethic and the kind of uh, play that you want. But uh, you know, there's also like we talked about before, it's a 162 game season, and some guys who are getting a little bit older, they have to pull back on the reins. Just not from a they don't want a hustle standpoint, is the fact that they don't want to get hurt on a play that ultimately is not. You know, does not matter very much. I'm not saying that Manny's was that situation, but throughout a season, you know, you will see guys pull up on a you know normal ground ball or whatever, just because they don't they don't even want to risk the getting hurt part. And I respect that. You know, you got to know your body. So, um, you know, it's one of those things where uh, I just want guys. I want guys who want to win the World Series uh, surrounded. You know, surrounded me and, and on that team. Hey, listen, I mean, if Manny comes and watches the way you go about the game, maybe he'll challenge you for the New York Mets representative for the Heart and Hustle Award. We never know. We got two more know. questions before we let you go, Brandon. So yeah. value sports and social media are sometimes where the lines get blurred. Anyone who follows you on Facebook or Twitter can see that you have a very strong set of values. You seem to have made a conscious choice this offseason to embrace everything there is about New York and share that yeah. with your followers along with your daily verse. You stay away from politics. Your feet is a breath of fresh air among what gets to be a lot of ugly talk on social media. What do you think your responsibility as an athlete as it relates to social media, and how difficult is it at times not to post your views on things that are going on in the news, whatever side of the aisle you're on? Right. You know, sometimes are you tempted to weigh in and say, hey, you know what, I'm going to keep that to myself? Yeah, of course, of course. You know, um, that is, it's, it's such a fine line, and I think people are still uh, figuring out, you know, where does, you know, saying what's on my mind and, you know, and kind of keeping that to myself on social media, uh, where, where is that, where is that line? And, and you know, for me, um, shoot, Granderson has, was such a great role model for me. I learned so much from him. Um, and what an amazing guy uh, to, to have as, as a mentor right when I got up into the big leagues. Um, you know, he, he kind of said uh, that a great you know, rule of thumb was if you feel like saying something, write an email, send it to yourself, then wait 24 hours, read it, and if you still feel the same way, go ahead. But if you don't, if you might, you know, think that might be too much or whatever, then then that's probably that's probably not the right thing to say. So uh, I think that's a great rule of thumb to go by is to not just act on impulse. Um, but as a pro, as a pro athlete, where, what is our place? Is, was your first question in, in social media? You know, I try to stick to the things that um, that, that people know me by, and, and that's. Um, you know that's baseball, and and you know I I, I am a man of faith, and so I, I did uh, you know want to make that known, and and so there are certain things about me that um, I did want to portray on social media, but there's also parts that um, I first of all am not knowledgeable enough um, to to get into, and I'm I, you know I will admit that you know and 
and politics are, are, are one of them. You know, I we all have our, our points of view, but um, you know, I don't know the whole story, and I don't know if anybody really knows the whole story on these things. But the biggest thing for me is, you know, a lot of these decisions go back to my faith, and and I believe that uh, you know it's a lot better for us to you know civilly talk about things and and love on one another than than to point fingers and blame and and you know all of these um, all these negative things I think you see nowadays and so I try to uh, be a little more positive uh, light and try and not bring demeaning remarks into it or um, or, or make people even feel less I, I don't ever want to make people feel um, feel less important you know I get a very cool job because I get to put on this uniform and all of a sudden people think that we're like superheroes or that you know we do you know we do something that's incredible and there's a lot of um hard work that's gone into where you know where we've gotten but we're also just very lucky very blessed to be where we're at and i want to you know i want to be able to convey that with fans and 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 be able to show that i'm just you know i'm just a normal person i yes i'm very blessed i'm very lucky um to be where i'm at um, but I want you know to them to be able to kind of come along on that as well with the social media. That's why I try to you know post like the you know where we've been, the charities that we're at, or you know the uh, the things that we get to do. Um, you know, it's a way to kind of see a little bit different of you know what what I'm like off the field um, and, and what we do off the field uh, rather than just what everybody knows of, of on the field stuff. So. Um, you know, it, it is a fine line, and you know, to each their own. Again, but for me personally, I try to stick to the things that um, you know that are are not not controversial. You know, and and you know, don't bring up conflict. I would much rather be a positive light, and you know, someone who loves on people, and and uh, you know, there's there's just so much negativity in the world today. I don't, you know, I don't want to be a part of it. I'd rather be a part of the solution and a part of the positivity. So there's so many good things that that maybe go unnoticed or get, you know, uh, that aren't highlighted. I mean, uh, you know, I, I I saw, you know, today I was just walking. Uh, the marathon was going on in New York, and and you know, this guy was carrying an american flag and he was a a veteran and he had lost his leg and he was doing the marathon he was walking it with his buddy um who was helping him the whole way and that just almost brought tears to my eyes i thought man this is what needs to be on this is what needs to be on media this is what needs to be on the tv this is what needs to be on all our stuff is stuff that's positive and uplifting like this um i would love to see more of that and um you know, but this guy's just out here trying to do his best and trying to do his part, and so um, that's what I try. I, I just want to convey that kind of stuff. I want to be that light that that guy was for me, and um, and so you know, I just um, I try I try and focus on the more positive side for social media, and I think that's our our role as as being an athlete is not just. Um, I know they talk about being them, being yourself and everything, but but being a role model to to these young kids that, that look up to you, I think that's really important. Um, is to to set a good example because I know I looked up to the major leaguers when I was a kid, and I thought they were superheroes, and I thought they were just the coolest people in the world, and I wanted to be them, and I wanted to do everything they did, 
And so, you know, I want to bring kids and, and, and anybody into that, you know, what, what we do and what, you know, kind of life is like outside of it as well. And the perks that come along with it, it's, it's amazing. But that there's a certain amount of, you know, you, you need to conduct yourself a certain way and, and you know, be respectful. And, and so uh, I, try, I try to, uh, you know, convey that through, through my social media as well. But, um, you know, we're all not perfect, and I'm sure, you know, <laughs> I'm sure, I, you know, I know I'm not perfect. Oh, it's a, it's that's, a, it's that's a, what we all try. It, it's a great on. follow. We got, like, two minutes before we go to break, Brandon, so I definitely want to no, ask you good. this. Um, you know, I personally love the move, as I, I texted you that day. Um, the, yeah. the, the media has been mixed on it. Um, as the Mets hired long-term agent Brady, uh, Brody Van Wagenen to be their new GM, Brody was mm-hmm. your agent. So, you know, in a minute or less, tell us what yeah. Mets fans can expect from him just based on what you know of your dealings with him. Okay. Yeah, well, so he's, he's – I mean, he didn't get in this position without being – he's a very smart guy. Um, he played baseball at Stanford, um, was supposed to have a, a career, um, possibly even in the major leagues, but was supposed to get drafted, but was hurt. And so I think it's a great mix of someone who is very knowledgeable and played baseball at the same time, and that's a great mix to have in the front office. So um, I think what you're looking for, what you're going to see is, you know, a lot of the new school analytics stuff. Um, he's very into that and, and does pay attention to the numbers big time, but he's also a guy who can look and see what's going on on a baseball field and uh, and make baseball decisions based on, on what he sees. And so I think what you're going to get with him is, you know, he's he's got the new school stuff and a, and a good mix of new school, old school, um, but a guy who played baseball but is very, very smart and knows – um, knows the ins and outs of baseball business and how the players feel. Um, he knows it better than anyone. So I think I think this was a great um, hire, um, you know. And I think uh, I think the Mets are definitely better for it. Brandon, as always, thanks so much for your time tonight. More importantly, thanks for your time every time. As I don't think you've ever refused me an interview during batting practice <laughs> all season long. Uh, Met no fans, problem, wish you Mark. the best of luck Thursday night. Uh, uh, hopefully, you, you get the annual Heart and Hustle Award that's being <laughs> given out by the Major League Baseball Players Alumni to the current player. Only excels not only excels on the field, but also embodies the values, spirits, and traditions of baseball. You know, you're the nominee from the Mets. If you don't win, uh, I would check those ballots for sure. So. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Good luck, and I can't wait to great see you out at City Field again, Brandon. Thanks for having me on. Our oh, really our pleasure. It. All right, have a great one. Brandon you Nimmo, too. New York Mets outfield.